wherever you're watching around the world in the house, we have fans going because AC is optional apparently. So we're good to go here. I'm thankful that each and every one of you are here. Say hello to somebody you don't know as everyone crosses camera. There we go. See, that works. So I got a, I got a quick question, uh, and I'll explain it here in just a little bit. Uh, parents, really quickly, uh, if you would like, we have some coloring sheets and some crayons. If you would like to have that for your child during the message, if you'll raise your hand, we'll get it to you. If not, no worries. Wow. You actually think I can hold a child's attention? I'm so proud of y'all. That's great. About five minutes in, let us know. We'll be happy to get that to you. The reason that we're having, we're not having Vine Kids today, normally we have Vine Kids during the message, but the reason we're not today is we believe in family. This is something that's a special occasion, something that you can look back on. This is actually something, as we'll talk about here in a moment, it is a conversation for the car ride home about why we're doing what we're doing today. And so if we have our kids, they, they learn about Jesus on their level, which is awesome. I will do my best to pare it down the best that I can because sometimes my brain uh, is Cocoa Melon level as well. However, wherever you are, uh, all the parents got excited. Uh, wherever you are uh, with that, I just want to let you know, each and every week we do have a children's ministry. It's absolutely incredible, but we believe in family here. So we want to make sure that you have this conversation with your children. This way it can open the door because parents, that's what it's all about. And that's what we're walking through today. We've been in a series called Summer in the Prophets. We've been looking at the Old Testament prophets. Uh, we've been in the major prophets pretty much, uh, looking at how Jesus is in there, how it points toward the gospel. We're going to spend a little bit of time in the prophet of Jeremiah today. We're going to spend some time in the book of Jeremiah talking about the prophet Jeremiah as we learn about this thing called baby dedication. So here's the thing. Here's the promise I will make with you. Uh, here we go. Number one, I believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. He's the hope of the world. He's the only thing that we have that can save us from our sin. He's the only one that can give us any hope. So I believe that, number one. And number two, uh, I believe that you want to go to lunch today. So I will make sure that I don't take a long time today as we explain this, and I will trust that the Holy Spirit will walk through this. So today what we're going to learn and walk through, uh, if you've got your Bible, we're going to be in Jeremiah 1, but we're going to spend most... Look at there. The Lord provides AC. Uh, the Jeremiah 1 and Jeremiah 29 is where we're going to spend most of our time today. Uh, and if you've got your Bible, if you want to go ahead and get there, each and every week we say it. We have free Bibles. We'd love to give you one free for the asking. You can also follow along with us on our Vine Church app. Go to the vine.tv slash app. You'll find a place on there for your phone number. It'll text you this custom link that'll give you sermon notes. You can find all about the Vine, send in prayer requests, but also our Vine production team's incredible. Wherever you're watching around the world, it'll be on the screen somewhere in this vicinity, as well as over to the side, wherever you are watching. So we are thankful for that. So today we're going to dive through, I set you apart. I set you apart. So I'm going to start in Jeremiah 1 for a few verses. Then we're going to be in Jeremiah 29. And here's the, here's the other promise I'll give you today. You're going to hear Jeremiah 29, maybe like you've never heard before, which is great, because I believe, not because of my words, but the Holy Spirit's words. So let's dive into the Word of God. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5 says this. The Word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. That's what we're going to be walking through today. I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet of the nations and so or as a prophet to the nations. so parents here's the most freeing statement today i'm going to get ready for the rotten tomatoes to be thrown at me but hear me all the way to the end okay one of the most freeing statements i hope that you have today as you walk in freedom from this is this god never surrendered authority of your child to you they are his children they are his blessings he's called you to steward them to be all that he created them to be 
And there should be freedom in that. The freedom in that, parents, is it doesn't mean that you don't care. It doesn't mean that you neglect your child. It means that the results of your child rest on the Lord. You're going to raise them up. He is the third cord. We talk about this in marriages a lot, like the third cord, the third rope, the strand that holds things together. Parents, in your relationship with your children, that should be the Lord God. And they're his. And I, and I know I, as you stand up there, you'll say, well, Tyler, how many children do you have? Well, uh, 50. I'm just kidding. I don't have any. So I, obviously, because I don't have children, I'm an expert on parenting, right? Isn't that how it goes? Uh, I'm not. But I will tell you, I will stand before the Lord one day and give an account for how I pointed you to Jesus because he's called me to steward you at the vine. The same way that you parents will go before the Lord and give an account for how you stewarded your children. So knowing that they are God's children in light of that, knowing that God has authority over your child and know that you are called to be a steward of your child, not the ultimate arbiter of everything they do, how in the world do we steward our children well? And that's where we're going to spend some time in Jeremiah 29. I've got three quick things for you. Then we're going to celebrate baby dedication at the end of the service. So First off, parents, if you are learning how to steward your children well, the first thing you have to do is make it natural. Make it natural. I share this each and every time when we go through uh, our child dedications, but you got to make it natural. We're going to dig in a little bit to that. Let's see how God called Jeremiah to make it natural in Jeremiah 29 before we get to the famous Jeremiah 29, 11. So Jeremiah 29, verse 4 through 7, God was telling Israel how they could raise their children up and steward them, making it natural. He says this in verse 4. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Marry and have sons, excuse me, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, do not decrease. That's why we celebrate baby dedication. Amen. We are increasing in number, right? Uh, increase, do not decrease. A uh, lot of Saturday and Sunday afternoon naps. Uh, that's not in there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So we love talking about Jeremiah 29, 11, but we miss what happens in verse 4 through 7. God says, and he's talking to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, really quick, he's just a prophet that drops the mic. God says, hey, I appointed you in chapter 1, and he just drops it on Israel and says, hey, if you don't turn, or it's actually the kingdom of Judah, we talked about this all the way through, but if you don't turn back to the Lord, you're going in Babylonian captivity. So God says, hey, you're going into Babylonian captivity here in verse 4 through 7, but even inside of that, you can still steward and raise your child up in the craziest seasons to be all that they were created to be. He says, hey, the captor that brought you here, pray for their prosperity. Parents, there should be freedom there. That means whatever season your child is in, you can still steward them to be all they were created to be. You can know that God's in control. You can pray for wherever they are to do well. So the reason I talk about coloring sheets when I say make it natural and what God is telling them to make it natural, he tells them what he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply, even in a space and a place where you are going to captivity. So here we go. For each and every one of us when it comes to that, I love that we have coloring sheets in Vine Kids. I know we, we have the, the request at the beginning if you want them, and, and, and I have Joel and Perrette here, and they can tell me what it means even more, but I'm going to tell you why I love it. Each and every one of those coloring sheets has a Bible verse on it, all right? They go home and they have the Word of God. You know why that matters when I say make it natural? 
because it's almost like your child is journaling. It's almost like your child is taking part in what you're doing. So when they see you taking notes in church and they go back there and they have a coloring sheet and they bring it home, it's like they're taking notes. They're making it natural. You are reinforcing the fact that, hey, I don't know it all. I go to the word of God to get that. I love that. That's how we make it natural. So in other words, what do we have for this? Well, making it natural, uh, intentional parenting doesn't come by accident. Even though sometimes you're just trying to get through the days, right? Like you have to be intentional when it comes to raising your child up and making it natural. What does this look like? This is the, the morning. This is uh, at mealtime. This is the drive home. This is at bedtime. You make it natural. So why am I sharing this with you? Uh, really quickly for me, when we talk about making it natural, uh, it, if it's the first time you've got to hang out with it, both of my parents have passed away. But when I was little, if you were to go to look at me, what's really crazy when I say I'm thankful for how they made it natural for me and raised me up in the church and showed me how to follow the Lord, if you would have gone to six-year-old Tyler's career day, he would have been in a suit. No, he wasn't going to be a politician. No, he wasn't going to be president. Now, one of the suits he did wear was a Ghostbuster suit, but we won't open. That was a crazy year. But most of the time, you would see me in a suit for career day. What was I going to be? A preacher, a pastor. It's crazy. Now, I ran from crazy like that without getting into my story, but at the same time, see, it was natural then. There was encouragement then. There was, okay, this is who you were created to be and raised me up in that. And even in the seasons where I didn't fully live that out, it became natural to me to be where I am because it was natural for me to be raised up in that. So I want you to know, parents, understand, you may not see the fruit of your labor right away, but one day your child will look back and see those times that you prayed by their bedside with them, that you prayed before meals, that you took notes with them, that you taught them how to journal, that you put their coloring sheets that they brought home from church on the refrigerator. Like There are times they're gonna see that and they're gonna look back on that and they're going to celebrate that. So for you, you make it natural. Make it natural. Pray before meals. Pray with them before they go into school. Let them see that even if they're in the, if they have a bad teacher, right, they can get through it because that teacher's human too. They can be in a bad season. They can be struggling with a class and you can tell them, hey, here's how we're going to get through it. You can make it natural. We're going to go to the Lord. So for each and every one of you parents, when this looks like for all of us, we just got to go every day and include our children in how we seek the Lord as our treasure. Don't think because you're going in depth. Uh, don't, in other words, uh, don't neglect your child reading Leviticus. I know that that's hard. <laughs> Tell them, hey, I don't understand half of it either. And I'm so thankful that I don't have to remember the sacrifices that needed to be made. Because if that's the case, each and every one of you would be in really rough shape. Because when you brought a dove, I'd be trying to figure out is it a dove or a goat or a ram or a bull, Lord, you know, like that's what it would be. So include your child with that. So make it natural together because when you do that, it shows your child that they have more to rely on than themselves. So number two, if you're taking notes, think with the end in mind. So you make it natural every day. You spend time with them. You understand as Jeremiah did that even if you're in a space in a place of captivity, God is still working in and through you. Think with the end in mind. Here we go. The famous verse, Jeremiah 29, verse 10 through 11. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. We don't like saying that part. We like the, the, everything that's on our uh, uh, hanging up in our walls in our house is the next verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, 
plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. See, God was saying, even though you're going into captivity, I'm bringing you back into my promise. I'm going to bring you back to where you're supposed to be. Even in this season where you don't feel, like you may feel I'm distant, you may feel like I'm disciplining you, more on that in a minute, you may feel like I'm not doing the right thing and I may be doing the hard thing, child, children, Israel. If you think that, understand I'm bringing you back to this place. Understand, parents, it's the season you have your child. Think with the end in mind. As a matter of fact, uh, this, this can bring tear rolls, and I'm sorry, but the moment your child is born, you have 936 weeks before they turn 18. Now, that sounds like a long time. If they just started elementary school, you've cut that down to 500. If you just started middle school, you've cut that down to 300. If they just started high school, you've got 200. And if they're entering into their senior year, you're at 50. It flies by. The best advice I've ever heard on parenting from anybody is know this. The days are long, but the years are short. As, as the, the, the great uh, country theologian, you're going to miss this, right? Like, right? You're going to miss this. I hear Joel, I hear Joel say, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it one day. So sometimes when I say think with the end in mind, that means sometimes we have to understand we say yes to the crazy idea. Do you want to go? You can tell I don't have kids. All the parents are saying, don't say that to my child. They're putting earmuffs on right now. Uh, sometimes you got to run out in the rain and go jump in some puddles and have a good time. Sometimes you got to say yes to that. Because you know what? If you don't, you're not building trust with your child. You got to say yes. Because you know, at, some, at one point, one time, automobiles were crazy. At one point, one time, flipping a light switch with power being on, that was crazy. At one point in one time, having a cell phone that didn't have a line connected to it was really crazy. So saying yes to your child and thinking with the end in mind understands that you can build trust with them. And see, we can only rest with that when we understand that God has authority over my child, that I'm only going to have them for a season, and that he has given me the greatest influence of their life, and yet at the same time, I know the results rest on him. And so here's what I want to tell you, parents, and this is where uh, I, I'll be real. I've got some other uh, things to share with it, but parents, if your child is struggling in the Lord, if they are struggling with addiction, if they are struggling uh, with many things, that is not all, that's, that's not a reflection of you. The hardest thing that addicts will hear is they think that parents, the parents will take responsibility for how their child has turned out, and that just isn't it that means that you didn't trust the lord so the lord's calling you back today to trust him all you were called to do is be there with him through it and that's the hardest thing it's the hardest thing but you know what the reason i'm thankful for that and the grace of god and the mercy of god is because he's been through some crazy seasons with me and if he can do it with me he can do it with anybody he's been through crazy seasons he's been there each and every step along the way each and every step and so for you parents, just understand that. Like, there's freedom in that, knowing he has authority. Thinking with the end in mind, what I'm getting at is thinking with the end in mind. Like, that six-year-old kid that was going back and forth to school wearing a preacher out, the think with the end in mind. Understand that it's okay. You want to wear a suit to school, kid? Sure, go do it. Wear that. You want to wear a Ghostbuster suit? That's absolutely fine, too. If you're going to say you're going to be a pastor in a Ghostbuster, praise God, go get it. It is what it is. You got the Holy Ghost in you. Don't try to bust that one because it'll get you and bite you back. But for each and every one of us, understand you got to think with the end in mind. Understand God is writing your child's story, not you. And this is the second thing I'm getting ready for tomatoes to come back, but it's a freeing verse as well. Parents, it's not your job to raise your child to be anything they want to be. Hear me out to the end of this. It's to raise them to be who God created them to be. And the freedom in that is understanding that. 
doesn't mean that you limit your child. It doesn't mean you tell their child, your child they can't go to Mars. It doesn't mean it means that God is in control of it. And your job is to help them find what they were created for. If God in Jeremiah 1 did know that child and set that child apart for a purpose, it's up to you to help steward them to find it. And that's the hardest thing that we struggle with, I would say. Well, we got one more that's probably even harder as a parent, I believe, uh, on the back, back end of that. But the statement is still true. See, we have so many times, parents, it's not your job's child to live out your dreams, to live out your fantasy, to live out what you think they should be. It's who God created them to be. And I promise you, if you will do that, there will be so much more freedom and your relationship will thrive in those years after the teen years where we know everything. Uh, I promise you, it will. Because that child's going to go back and look back and say, hey, I remember career day. Old pastor guy over there, dropping bombs over there. So I remember that. So stewardship, stewardship. The third thing, after we've made it natural, we think with the end in mind, we understand it's just a season. The third, and probably really most important, is to focus on the heart. So God tells uh, Jeremiah to tell the nation of Judah, hey, you, you've not listened to me. You've not followed me. I've tried to call you back. I've given you warnings. The nation of Israel in the north has already been sacked by the Assyrians and taken into captivity, pretty much wiped out. Uh, and now you're going to face the same fate. But I promise you, I will bring you back. And so while you're there, be natural. Be what I created you to be. Pray for the prosperity of the nation. And after that, what you can do is you have to... Um, after you've making it natural, understand it's just a season. In 70 years, I'll bring you back. So how do we focus on the heart? This is what God says in Jeremiah 29, verse 12 through 14. Then, so after he's brought them back, he's saying this. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declared the Lord, and will bring you back to the place which I carried you in to exile. So God's saying, hey, Israel, you didn't follow me with, your, with all of your heart. You thought you knew best. You, you, you started worshiping idols. You started putting gods before me. You thought something else mattered than I did. You found salvation in something other than me. And so because of that, there's a consequence of that. But I, I'm telling you, I will bring you back into my promise uh, for each and every one of us. So here's the thing, parents, when I say focus on the heart. There's only one thing that se separates uh, religion from relationship with God, and it's love. Why does that matter? Because it's what your heart is. Religion has nothing to do with love. We think it is. Religion has to do with checking a box off. Religion has to do with you follow this because if you don't, I will punish you. That's what religion does. Religion has all these rules set up, has all these guardrails that paste the rules on the wall, and it says follow all of these. And uh, I know I don't have children, and, 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 and so you can hear this, but I will just tell you, uh, in my pride, if you put rules on the wall, I'm going to push back as hard as I can to see as much as I can get away with. I know our children don't do that at all. But that being said, what will happen is religion will do that. But God said, I don't care about religion. I care about a relationship. Follow me with your whole heart because I love you. I'm not here to punish you. I might be here, though, to discipline you. And the reason that I give you discipline is to set up guardrails for you to be all that you were created to be. And so let me ask you this, parents, uh, I, since, I, since I don't have any, let me, what, um, I was driving by today. Is there an obedience school for kids? How many, is there one for dogs, though? 
See, you can't send your kid off to the obedience school for a little bit and hope they do some tricks, sit, spin around, and get a little treat, and they're going to be good. It just doesn't work quite that way, does it? There's something more there, and that is the love that is involved there because love changes the game, and this is why I'm giving that to you. Parents, I believe, outside looking in, the hardest lesson you will ever teach your child is obedience. It's the hardest thing you're going to teach them. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's them being who God created them to be. I think you can champion that. You can cheer them on. You can, you can be high-fiving them and helping them with that. I don't believe that it's actually making it natural for them to follow you in your walk. Because here's the thing. Your kid knows you better than you think. Like, just, they repeat those words you say on the drive. That's why I don't have children. Y'all definitely would be questioning my salvation if I had kids with some of the drives I have just here on Sunday morning with a trailer. Like, I'm just telling you. Your kid knows you. Your children know you. And so for each and every one of us, the reason that I'm bringing that up is I would say the hardest thing you can teach your child is obedience. Obedience. Obedience and punishment are two different things. Obedience requires discipline. Discipline means, parent, it costs you something for your child. Discipline. It costs you something when you discipline your child. It costs you something. It does. It, it costs you uh, your sanity. I'm just going to put it out there. It costs you sometimes your hair, eventually. It costs you uh, your waistline, your workout, whatever that is. It costs you something to discipline your child. But punishment, punishment says your child has to pay the consequence, and your child has to pay for the action, for the thing that they did wrong. So let me ask you this, parents. Uh, does your child ever mess up? Do you discipline them or punish them for messing up? See, sometimes punishment is required, but discipline has to be first. More on that in a second. So if your child messes up, my question is, do you mess up? Do you mess up with your child? What do you think, James? They do? He's like, I'm running away. Do you mess up with your child, though? Do you mess up? The question is, when you mess up with your child all the way through, how do you, how do you go about that? Hey, maybe you reacted in anger to your child. Do you confess? Do you just say to them, hey, I'm... I, I shouldn't have done that. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. It's obedience. You know why? Because when you are obedient to the Lord and confessing and repenting, you are teaching them how to be obedient to Him and how His grace is all that matters, how they can't rely on themselves. That Hey, when you mess up, there is a parent, there is a loving parent that loves you even when you mess up. Even when you screw up, even when the, when the walls fall down, there's someone who is there with you. That's why we say focus on the heart. And so when I say all that, do you know what I think the grandest thing about being a grandparent is? I don't have kids yet or grandparents, but this is what I would see as a grandparent. They have nothing to worry about when it comes to discipline. They get a second chance. Yes, they may discipline your grandchildren, but the grand part is they ain't got to worry about the consequences. They get to put them in the car and send them back to your house. It is what it is. You know what I'm saying? That's the grandest part. The grandest part about being a grandparent outside looking in would be parents. Sometimes you go to your parents' house and you say, you used to warp me, as I said, or whip me uh, when I did that, and you let them get away with it. You know why? Because the grandparents, they've been there, done that. And they understand the thing that they maybe did a bit, had a big deal with you really wasn't that big of a deal at all. Like running outside in the rain with the puddles. Who cares if it's an Easter suit? Come on, man. Like, you know what it is? It is what it is, right? You got to mess up a white suit every now and again. You got to do what you got to do. So the grandparents get to do that. And the reason that this matters and what I'm getting at when you focus on the heart is you are teaching your child, I love you and I can be trusted. But you know who I trust the most is Jesus. See, what when when I'm talking about here for each and every one of us, 
talked about just being intentional. I've talked about making it natural. We've talked about understanding it's a season that you have this year. The reason you focus on the heart is the hardest thing when it comes to obedience and punishment is because for each and every one of us, the only way our child can grow is discipline. And discipline is part of obedience. Once again, discipline costs you something, parent. Discipline costs you time, costs you effort, may even cost you financially to help your child maybe be in a workout routine or go get lessons out of school or, or go do that. Punishment, it doesn't cost you really much at all. It costs your child. And so when you're looking at punishment versus discipline, I'll, I'll give you this example really quickly. <clears throat> punishment is why we have a court system. Punishment says you did something and you harmed someone and we want to prevent you from ever doing it again So there is a consequence and a punishment for your action punishment is consequence based Discipline discipline is obedience based discipline says I you're not paying for the crime you committed I'm gonna show you how not to do it again in the future See the difference I'm gonna help you understand this was a bad choice and this is how we're gonna make it better Okay, this is how we're not going to do it in the future. But see, the thing is, we spend most of our time, we've abdicated obedience. And we think the court system is about obedience. And we've put that onto the church. We've put that maybe onto the court system. We put it onto our teachers in schools. It's their job to teach our child obedience. It's not. It starts at home. So when you're disciplining your child, I want you to see, is it punishment? When it comes to focusing on the heart, punishment will only have your child stay with you until they're 16 or 18 and you'll never hear from them again and they'll run wild. They will, because that's our nature. Discipline, they may still walk away when they're 18 for a little bit, but eventually they're gonna come to a point in their life where they realize where your heart was in raising them and where you pointed them to Jesus, even in your mistakes. So, discipline versus punishment. Discipline versus punishment. See, dedication literally means to set apart for a special purpose. If you look back, we talked about this with Hezekiah. They dedicated the temple. They set it apart. They consecrated it, made it holy. Like They dedicated it to set apart for a purpose. You are set apart for a purpose. Your child is set apart for a purpose. Your grandchild is set apart for a purpose for a time such as this. And so for each and every one of us, do we live that out? And I, I love our church family does. That's what we're celebrating today. Do we live it out? Do we understand that? Because if the hardest thing to teach my child is obedience, which requires discipline, then maybe I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, where am I punishing my child instead of being disciplinarian with my child? Because here's the thing. See, God understands that difference so much that he didn't quit on us. I'll put it to you this way. We deserve punishment for our sin, don't we? That punishment is death. We deserve it. There is nothing. We are all born into sin. Listen, you don't have to teach a two-year-old how to sin, do you? If, you? if you say my child's perfect, you've never had a two-year-old. None of us are perfect. It just is what it is. They, it's just you don't have to teach them. You don't have to teach them that one word, mine. You don't have to teach them that. They know it. Like, it's just it's natural. It's, it, even, even, even sweet babies say mine from time to time. They're ready to go. You, you don't believe that? Put a French fry on the table. You'll see what happens. It'll be theirs really quick, 100%. So all the way through, when it comes to us, we don't have a way to pay for our sin. The consequence for our sin is death. And so the only way that our sin can be paid for is if something dies. And so God said, I am not going to build a religion where you have to die for your sin, where you spend your whole life trying to chase your salvation and anything else in this world. So I'm sending my son to accept the full punishment for your sin. He will die for you. 
He will take that for you. He will bear the consequence for you so you don't have to. Yet many times in our walk, if we stand on that statement of faith, we get mad when God disciplines us. But because Jesus took the punishment for us, he has the right to discipline us to help us grow in obedience to be who he created us to be. And so my question is, the reason we do what we do right now is, do you believe that Jesus has taken your punishment? Are you going out to get the hickory switch and go tear somebody up? Which one is it? Do you trust that? Because, see, you can't focus on your kid's heart and point them to Jesus if your heart's not right with God first. And so the whole point of the gospel is Jesus took the punishment and the wrath of God for us in spite of us, even when we had our back turned on him, even when we didn't even care who he was, he said, I still love you. I still love you because Jeremiah 1, verse 4 through 5, God says one more time, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before, I, before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He knew us. He knew us enough. He wanted a relationship with us. So the famous verse John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took our punishment. Jesus took our punishment. It's not our job to punish. The judge, the judge delivers the consequence. God is our righteous judge, sent his son to be righteous for us in spite of us. And so each and every one of us now don't have to worry about the punishment of God. We get to have the discipline that may hurt for a minute, but in the end, it will prove to grow us to be who he created us to be. So my question is, as we wrap up, we're about to sing in just a moment, and then we'll have baby dedication. Have you considered Jesus? Are you chasing the things? Parent, are you trying to read all the books on how to be the perfect parent? Nothing wrong with reading books. I love some reading books. But the Holy Spirit in you through Christ Jesus is the best guide you possibly can have to be the best parent you can be. And the only way that you have that is through Christ Jesus and his atoning sacrifice. So the reason we do what we do every week isn't so that so that we can have our name in shining lights. It's not about the vine getting to the ends of the earth. It's not about how great we are or how perfect we are or how we've got it all figured out, because we don't. It's to get the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to live out the Great Commission by loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, seeking Him with all our heart, like we just read about, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so for each and every one of us, have you considered Jesus? Have you considered Jesus? Are you trying to find salvation in a job? Are you trying to find salvation in a house address, in, a, in, in something in the backyard, in something in the front yard, in a, in, in a college degree, and gas in the tank? And does my credit card work when I go to the, the grocery store? Have you found your salvation in anything other than Jesus? Because I promise you, if you have, it'll fade away, and it'll only enslave you. And so the opportunity right now that Jesus gives you is to step out of religion and into a relationship, to trust that he did form us in the beginning and he knew us before we were formed in the womb and loved us enough not to make us pay the consequence for our sin on our own, but instead take it for us. That's all salvation is, is I could never be righteous enough, God, to be in a right relationship with you. So instead of my righteousness, I received Christ's righteousness. So with every head bow and every eye closed, we're about to say a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's the faith that Jesus is 
who he says he is. And so I'm going to ask everybody, we pray out loud as a family once again, and we're going to pray for the benefit of those coming to faith for the first time. So would you please repeat these words out loud after me? Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life I couldn't live, died the death I deserve on the cross, but loved me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how with every head bow and every eye closed and for the first time you can say that you have received this free gift of salvation from Jesus you have you have trusted him as your righteousness as your salvation and made him Lord of your life and for the first time you've done that on the count of three I'm going to ask you to raise your hand one two three if you're in the house would you raise your hand thank you Put those down. If you're online right now, would you you, you you could raise your hand. You could leave us a comment. If you're listening throughout the week, listen. This is why we do what we do. We get to celebrate baby dedication because first, God's goodness and His saving grace for us. So we would love to celebrate with you. And it's not so that we can make you go to church here. It's so that we can get you to a local church because you growing in the Lord and walking in obedience with the Lord is something you can't do alone. As we're going to learn in baby dedication here in just a moment, it's something you take together with the body, the family, the church of Christ. And we want to help you do that. For the rest of us, I just want to say, um, I'm so thankful that we get to be here. I'm so thankful we're about to sing this, this amazing worship song. And I'm just going to ask you as we sing it, and then we're going to do baby dedication. It's going to be great. It's going to be a good time. Somebody's going to dedicate me too. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we're going to have baby dedication here in a moment. But isn't it great that Jesus is our defender? We don't have to go out that. If he has authority over us and he's over the results, even in the season we're in, they can turn that fire up seven times. It ain't going to matter because I'm going to get through it. They can throw me in a lion's den. It ain't going to matter because if they eat me, it is what it is. I know where I'm going. They can take everything in my bank account. They can take all the gas out of my car. They can take my college degree and burn it. They can take everything they have. Everything this world has to offer matters not because my hope is in Christ, my defender. And so today, parents, if you want to teach your children anything, it's that Jesus is our defender. That you as a parent, yes, you will defend your child to your last breath. But when you take your last breath, Jesus will still be defending them. And that's what it's all about. So would you stand and sing? You are me. 